Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Michael Bowen and the Bowen team of Waterstone Mortgage. If you're thinking about buying a house or possibly refining a house, you have to go with the absolute best. And I got to tell you, there's nobody in Albuquerque better than Michael Bowen. You got to give him a call today at 505-259-8326. Michael Bowen is one of the people, one of the, the main lenders that I refer my, my clients to when they're thinking about buying a house or refining a house because he's been doing it for so long. He has such a deep knowledge of the mortgage industry that is just unsurpassed. All right. He's just, he's like Yoda when it comes to mortgages. Give Michael Bowen a call today if you're thinking about buying a house or refining. His phone number is 505 259 8326. 505 259 8326. No matter what you're thinking about doing, buying your first home, you're going to be moving up, you're downsizing, you're buying a luxury property, whatever, they have programs for every type of individual. So give him a call today. Michael Bowen, 505-259-8326 of Waterstone Mortgage, NMLS number 214602. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pure Life. Pure Life is a medical cannabis company right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they are actually the largest medical cannabis company in the state of New Mexico. If you're a medical card holder, you want to definitely check out Pure Life if you haven't been there yet. These guys have everything under the sun you could possibly imagine. They have pre-rolls, they have flour, they have vaporizers, concentrates, edibles, tinctures. They even have accessories if you need a Pure Life coffee mug. But here's the deal with Pure Life. These guys probably carry the largest amount of strains than any other dispensaries in the state of New Mexico. They have tons of stuff, tons and tons of stuff. And the best part about Pure Life, I've got to tell you, after going over and actually recording an episode of the podcast there, watching their bud tenders interact with their patients... It's super cool to watch. These guys actually give a shit about you. They stop. They take the time to get to know you, what you're looking for, what you need help with. You got to check them out. They have six locations around the state. They have three here in Albuquerque, and then they have three more around the state with two more coming this summer. PureLifeNM.com is the website. Check them out. If you go in, make sure to tell them Buck and Dex sent you in. You got to tell them Buck and Dex sent you in so you can get the Buck and Dex podcast deal. The podcast is also brought to you by Sandia BMW Motorcycles. If you haven't checked these guys out, you got to go down and check out their inventory they have down there. They have 2019 models that they're actually, I don't want to say they're blowing them out, but you can get some good deals on there. It's just on the website looking. I think they have a thousand bucks off on certain models. So go down and check out Sandia BMW Motorcycles. Have you guys seen the new BMW S1000RR? It's 205 horsepower. Yeah, seriously, 205 horsepower. There are cars that are not 205 horsepower. I'm just going to say that now. So that has to be a stupid fast bike. Sandia BMW is located at 6001 Pan American Freeway. You can give them a call today if you want to schedule service or maybe you want to schedule a test ride. Give them a call today, 866-872-5632. Sandia BMW Motorcycles, make life a ride. And finally, the podcast is also brought to you by Unleashed Sports Nutrition. You got to go over and check out our friends Corey and Jen over at Unleashed Sports Nutrition there at the corner of Southern and Unser in Rio Rancho in that little shopping center right there. And they're on the west, furthest west side. Go in there, tell them Buck and Dex sent you in, and tell them you want them to set you up with what they set Dex and myself up with. They've got us on some BCAs, some BCAAs, some pre-workout stuff, some post-workout stuff. They also have us on this Intech Evolution Protein Powder, the best protein powder I've ever used before. 
doesn't make you bloated, doesn't make you all gassy, you're not stinky, you're not farting all the time. It's good stuff. And they've been super, super helpful with Dex and myself. As everybody knows, Dex is trying to get into the fire academy. He's going to be a firefighter. I've been just working on my health, losing some weight, dropping some body fat, gaining some muscle. Corey and Jen have been instrumental in helping me achieve the goals that I'm trying to achieve. It's not going to cost you an arm and a leg either. That's the good part. So go in, Unleash Sports Nutrition, the corner of Southern and Unser. It's the west, furthest west part of the shopping center. Make sure you tell them that Buck and Dex sent you in, and they will give you a Buck and Dex deal. I promise you that. Plus, just so you know, Unleash Sports Nutrition, new store coming to the Winrock Town Center this summer. Keep an eye out for that. Let's hop into the podcast. And now, now without further ado, it's the Buck and Dex Show. This is a stupid show. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to the podcast. I am Buck. And I am Rex. Whoa, you're not Dex. Rex. You're Oh, you're Rex. They didn't show up, so it's my, this is Ricky, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and take over the first uh, letter on the name. Okay. So it's now the Buck and Rex Show. Welcome to the Buck and Rex Show. And uh, hello, everybody. Did that sound like him? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I did. That sounded hello. exactly like him. Hello, everybody. The Buck and Rex Show. Lobster butter. Close enough. Yeah, that's good. All right. So today we're going to be talking to Rashad Evans. We'll get him on the phone here in just a few minutes. You got anything you need to talk about before we start? Nah, man. I'm pumped to get into this. All right. Well, let's get Rashad on the phone. Hello? Rashad. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? How are you, brother? I'm good. Good, good. Real good. So Dex had a, a family emergency today. I have somebody else sitting in in his place. Rashid? Okay. Is this Rashid? Yes. What's up, brother? It's Ricky. Who is it? It's Ricky, man. Hey, what's up, Ricky? How you doing, man? What's going on? Good, man. Just hanging out with with uh, Buck and uh, going to cover for Dex today, man. So I was pumped when he told me we were talking to you. We hadn't talked in a little while, so I think maybe last time we saw each other in an elevator. Yeah, yeah. It's been a minute. It's yeah, been a minute. It's good, yes, man. indeed. Good, man. Good. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So welcome yeah. welcome to our podcast. Everybody's been asking when we were going to have you on. They said they missed your impressions. <laughs> man, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I miss you guys in Albuquerque. Yeah. So how are you doing, man? What's uh you've you've had I mean, geez, we haven't talked to you in it's been a few years. I know I bumped into you at yeah. a fight, you know, years ago and well, what's been going on? I mean, you're doing your ESPN thing, kinda catch everybody up on what you've been up to. Um, life is good. I've just been uh like you said, doing my ESPN thing and uh you know, moving more into that broadcasting space, which I really enjoy. You know, uh it's a good progression for me and, and um it's something that you know I uh, I enjoy doing, but you know I still I still miss the competing part of everything, and I still miss being in the shape and that that mental challenge of what it means to go into a fight and and uh, just test who you are. You know I miss that aspect of competing, but um, you know life life moves on. You know. Yeah. Are you still working out anywhere? Like just getting it in anywhere, just for fun? Yeah, I still I still train with the guys at um at Henry Hoof's gym. You know, um the team uh you know with Kamara and those guys and, and whenever whenever I can help out, I go into the gym and work out with those guys. But it is it's good though, man. I, I enjoy it because, you know, it uh it keeps me close to the sport and and it's impossible to be, you know, in there 
without being like, dang, I want to, I want to, you know, see how I feel to do it at least one more time. (laughs) (laughs) Rashad, what was the linchpin for you as far as just like retirement from MMA? Was it just, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, when I met you, I was probably 13 years younger than I am now and a completely physically different person. Is it just kind of the progression in age? I I hate to say it, but I mean, you kind of lose a step as you start to get older. Is that kind of what it was for you? No, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even so much of that as far as, you know, me losing a step um, like that. I felt like I could still, you know, move and everything with everybody else. But for me, it was, it was mentally, you know, mentally, I didn't feel like I was, I was rising to the occasion no more for whatever the reason was, you know, I just could not mentally uh, get myself to, to compete and enjoy competing the way I used to. And and, and it's something that it, it was hard for me to face once I kind of realized that, man, mentally I'm not coming in, uh, coming in the same as I used to be. So I had to uh, make some choices and make some decisions for myself. Of, you know, what I wanted to do was I can continue to try to compete and be a shadow of, of what I used to be. Or am I really going to, um, you know, take some time away from the sport and just figure out, like, what's going on on a deeper level and why I was feeling the way I was feeling what did you What did you figure out with that? As far as uh, because I heard you, I, I heard your interview on Rogan, and um, yeah. you know, I know you had talked about you had talked about some demons that you were kind of just trying to deal with. You know, what 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 ultimately was it mentally that just made you say, you know what, I'm going to be a broadcaster, and I'm going to be the best broadcaster there is. Um, just I mean, you know, it, I don't know. I, I think I think it was just more or less like I was feeling like if I can't be the fighter that I want to be, then I, then I need to focus on, on what I can be, you know? And, and far as, you know, the way I was competing, I just wasn't, I just wasn't bringing what I could bring. And, uh, it, it was hard for me to stay in that space and compete. Cause I felt as if like, you know, physically I could still do it, you know, it felt like physically, like my body was still there, but I just, for some reason, when it came time to go in there and, and, uh, and have that that other side kick in. The other side just didn't fire up like it used to. It just wasn't the same excitement as it was. And um, you know, I, I don't know what it was. You know, I think that in, in life, you know, you have these these uh, these cycles. And, and sometimes you ride a good cycle and it lasts you for a long time. And sometimes you you have a cycle and it doesn't last you for long. And you just have to deal with just the um, just the rhythm of life and the rhythm of life takes you on different paths. But if you're not paying attention to that rhythm, then you could, you could miss on another big opportunity that's coming your way. What what are you doing now outside of the, the UFC commentary? You have you partnered on any projects outside? Like what is, what did you got going on now? Um, I, I work with some kids right now. Uh, I got a couple of different projects I do. You know, I work with uh, Trevor with the, you know, with, with Onyx mm-hmm. and um, Onyx is something that, you know, I'm proud of working with because that's that's for the equipment and and the equipment industry for 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 training is a huge gap because you know there hasn't been any improvements on the training gear since since the gun the gun the um the thumb has been attached to to the glove. So we've we've done something at Onyx to just bring the equipment to the standards that mixed martial arts equipment should be brought to. And, um, you know, we've, we've, um, we've made equipment just specifically designed 
for MMA athletes, you know, with reinforcements in the knees and all these different parts of the joints and ligaments that, that take a, a big torque when you're moving away that we have to do for MMA. Nice. What, um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I hear you're, you have a child in the background. Your house sounds like my house right now. Yeah. Since I've last talked to you, I now have three kids under seven living inside my household. Oh, wow. It's a constant state of, of, of chaos in my house in one sense or another. One boy and two girls, and they're always fighting and, you know, trying to do their stuff. You, you're married now, right? Yeah, yeah. You got mar- you're married, you have kids. How many kids do you have? Yeah. I have four kids now. Four, four kids. kids. I have my oldest. She's, uh, she's 20. She's going to be 21. She lives in Montreal. And then I have two with my ex-wife, and they live in um, Chicago with her, so... It's, 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 you know, it's, uh, it's different now, you know, now I got a four year old now. So it was kind of going back in and just, just, uh, I was, I was out the game, the parenting game, I got a 20 year old, but I went back in, but it's, it's, it's been good because, you know, each, each kid brings their own different value and, and different part in your life as far as like, you know, I mean, why they were born and what it means to you, I guess, you know, and, uh, he brings a, a different kind of understanding in my life that, uh, that that's interesting, you know, and, uh, and I enjoy it because he, he challenges me to be better in a lot of different ways. And, and, and it's cool because at, at 40 years old, I didn't foresee this for myself, you know, but the best things in life are the things you didn't even plan or didn't think was going to happen. Were you guys trying to have them? No, I just kind of, it just kind of, it just kind of happened, you know, it just kind of happened. You know, I'm, you know, I, I enjoy being a father. I enjoy kids and everything like that. So, you know, I, I didn't mind, but it's just not something that, you know, I was really planning on, on doing yeah. again. But it's uh it's such a blessing, man. He's such he's such an amazing person and he's so he's he's so uh so dynamic, man. Just and just a and just a wild, wild kid. Yeah. Wild kid. My my son, his name is Cash Thompson and he is uh four years old also. And he's at that age now where he's just becoming 110% all boy. I mean, just all oh, boy. That's the best. Oh, my gosh. That's the best, man. <laughs> that's the best, man. That's the best. That, that, that is the absolute best, man. I love, I love that, man. I, I don't know how you guys do that. We had talked about starting over, and I'm, I'll am i be 40 this July, and I'm, I just can't. I mean, if it happens, it happens. I'm not against it. But, man, what – what a what a big step to start over again, man. That's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's fun though. It's fun because you know, you, you it's it's fun because I had my first kid when I was young, super young. So, you know, my, my parenting uh skills and my understanding about life was a lot different than it is now, you know. So it's it's interesting to be a father at the age I am now with the understanding that I have now, you know? Yeah. It's just it's it's like a it's like a total <laughs> totally new new experience just because I'm such a different person. So I I enjoy it in ways that I didn't think was even possible. Yeah, I always kinda have this this idea. Like I had my first like I think I got Sarah I think she got pregnant when I was like thirty nine and I think the baby was born. I think Ella was born when I was forty. So that was my first biological child. I have a stepson, he's twenty two. But uh uh you know, I always kind of have this idea that I think that financially and like mentally, you're more you're more prepared for 
having a child later in life, you know, like, like at your age or at my right. age. And before, yeah. you know, if I would have had a child at a young age, you know, I don't think I would have been mature enough financially. I wouldn't have been in the place that I was in. And I don't think that, uh, I don't think that it would have, uh, it would have worked out as, as well as it is now. Do you kind of, do you kind of think that's the, the same thing with you? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there were some aspects that, you know, when I was younger, I, um, you know, I, uh, I excelled at maybe as a father, you know? Um, but, but I think, I think now that as I'm older, I think that in totality, I'm a better father. I, I do believe it. Cause just, just the perspective on everything, you know, has, has changed. I think maybe when I was, when I was younger, I played a little bit longer with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I had more, I had more energy to play the game. Uh-huh. Maybe that's one aspect that I can say that I was probably better at, but, uh, yeah, I think that being a father at this age is um is is great for me because now now I have that that uh that old school wisdom, you know, but at the same time I still can run around with him and everything else like that. You know, and uh it's it is it's um it's interesting too because you know, each and every single kid that you have is so different and he's so different than the other three, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So how's uh how's life at ESPN, man? Are you uh so is that all you're doing? You're just strictly like a ESPN correspondent reporter? Is is that one hundred percent what you're doing? Yeah, well I'm doing I'm doing that and I also work with uh CBS too. I think I you know, I gotta work with CBS and it's kinda like the same kind of gig. So MMA based or yeah. are you gonna branch off into other sports? Yeah, it's it's MMA based. It's MMA based. Yeah. Have you thought about going it's have they based. asked you to do any other sports yet? Um, no, no, I mean, just, just like only combat sports, like boxing and stuff like that. But, uh, right now it's, um, me and Brian Campbell, you know, we got a show that we do on there right now mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty fun. You know, we, we have, we have a good time on it. We see we're building a fan base and it's fun to, uh, to build a fan base. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, we got, we got a slow growing podcast, but, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun on the show. And then podcasting is something that, that I've, uh, you know, started to enjoy, you know, it's not, it's not the open for dialogue conversation podcast that I eventually want to move towards, but it's, uh, it's good. You know, we talk about the sport and, uh, it's fun because, uh, you know, it, it, it keeps me connected to the sport. It's wild to think back to when you first got here. Cause what season two ended in what? 2005, 2006. Is that about when you got here to Albuquerque? Yeah, yeah. Well, I got um, yeah, two thousand five, two thousand six, like right after, right after the show was over. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. to think of all the guys back then that passed through here. Even guys that that didn't fight, like you know, didn't make crazy careers. Even guys like Safe Saud and Ali with his management stuff, man. It's crazy to think of all the dudes that stepped foot here that have gone on to do big things, even outside of just outside of fighting, you know. Was such a crazy. I know, group. man. We we had we had such a great uh, a great um, a great area for 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 learning and, and just. But you know, it just, it just shows the the testament of, of what was created at Jackson's when you when you can see, you know, all the greatness that came from the people who were in that area. You know, because each one of us came and went out, and we and you know went and did things in other areas and. Uh, spread that same 
greatness that we had at Jackson's and other other places, you know. You know, I came I came at in South Florida and I started a whole team and from there, you know, there's a whole nother gym and whole nother careers and everything it just got sprouted up and you know, it's, it's something that 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 you don't think about. You know, I was talking to one of the guys like, Yeah man, I you know, if it wasn't for you, I mean I wouldn't even been here, but I'm thinking like, man, if it wasn't for me, this whole gym wouldn't be here. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. that's you know, cause a lot, a lot like, like when, when I came to South Florida, the only reason why we, the team was even made was because, um, I was going to get ready to fight Phil Davis. And they were like, and, and, and me and Mike Van Arsdale, we talked about having a gym where it was, where it was not any team at all, but it was just, me having uh, training partners to train with, and it was and it was no team at all, and that's how it was supposed to be. But then the fight with Phil Davis got delayed and got delayed, and before I knew it, by the time I got to fight Phil Davis, I had a full team of people who were just training. <laughs> they're they're training, and then before you know it, we became we became a team. Yeah, it's crazy, and, and that and that's how. It, it's it's crazy because looking back at like I was talking to Cowboy about this not too long ago, and we look back at like everybody that was there because right after Diego won, which I, I'm sure you probably heard the story before, but when Diego wanted to go on season one, Greg was like, "Nah, don't do it." I mean, do you want to be a movie star? You want to be a fighter, right? And so of course yeah. Diego's like, "Nah, I want to be on TV," right? So <laughs> that changed the whole trajectory. Then you and Keith and Dan Christensen season two. But looking at like what was going on back then, you know, the, the Greg and Wink and a lot of guys got a lot of credit. But I think the thing that people missed was we, a lot of you guys were teaching each other, like George and you and Keith yeah. and Nate and all the knowledge that you guys brought from Michigan, Canada, Denver. All that came together to make it what it was. It wasn't really one person. It was all the knowledge nah. that you guys combined to make it what it was. And people don't realize that. Yeah, it re- it really was. It really was. I mean, you know, all, all credit to to to, uh, to to Greg. You know, he was a big catalyst for bringing us all together and everything like that. But when we got into the room, like you said, it was it was just a great, you know, uh, collage of just knowledge coming together. You know, um, you know, another another guy who doesn't get a lot of props for as far as what they brought to the early development was Chris Latrell. You yeah. know, Chris Latrell was one of the guys early out who, when I was even in camp. You know, uh, when Greg first started to get busy, he was one of the guys who um, who I would uh, who I would lean on a lot, and and he and he would uh, come and pick me up and train me and do all those things. You know what I'm saying? He'd do all those things to you know pick me up early in the morning to to train me and get my mind right, or whatever the case may be. But that's how that's how it was early for early Jacksons. Early Jacksons, you know, everybody was just. Uh, helping out whenever they can yeah yeah it was it's cool man because then it like you said i mean the 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 mega camp thing I, I think it's hard to say that that could ever be repeated you know because i think that everybody brought a piece to that and what you did was kind of it was early on with trying to branch off into a specialized about you training right but that's yeah. what it's about now right you were one of the first guys to start that and everybody was pissed off oh man he's going to do his own thing it ain't gonna work but the reality of it is is that we were programmed from a young age to believe that we need all these sparring partners to be successful. And the truth now is we need people that are going to focus on me and what I need to develop as an athlete. And then we bring those guys to cater in, which is what you did in Florida. 
Yeah, and that's that's exactly what what the whole intent was. You know, that, that's exactly the whole intent. I think things started to go sideways for me in Florida when it became a team. You know, and and not to, you know, not to knock on in, on the fact that it became a team because becoming a team was part of, you know, part of my legacy as well too. But if I'm if I'm being a fair to my assessment of my career, it's when it became a team is when things got, you know, not so good for me. And, and, and honestly, for me being the person that, uh, you know, helped start the team, I became like, you know, all the fighters when they came, when there was a problem, they came to me and I became, you know, one of those guys who they would talk to when it came to, came to a problem. So I didn't have the peace to come into the gym and just train like a normal fighter anymore. I had to go in there and put out fires and people kind of coming to me and, as you know, there's, you know, with fighters, there's always a situation to be put out and, and fighters can have a lot of situations where, you know, there's, there's always something are you saying, that you have to deal with. Are you saying when you get a bunch of fighters together, it's like a, it's like a sewing circle of uh, problems? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Do you think... Uh, Exactly. You know, kind of on on the tail end of that, do you think that MMA, training for MMA, because you guys go out there, when you go out and you fight, you know, you always hear people say, like, this is fun time when it's fight time. And the buildup to that fight, the training, like, like before, when you were down here, like when you were in Albuquerque or when you left for South Florida, the training that you guys do leading up to a fight is ridiculous. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. That's where you're going to sustain 95% of your damage that you're going to take to your body. Do you think that, because you're kind of starting to see that shift in the NFL a little bit, you know, where, where the teams, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not putting on, on the shells right away when they get into training camp. You know, it's more walkthrough. It's more creating the muscle memory for what they're going to do when they get into the live scenarios. Do you think that MMA is going to kind of start shifting that way where you, you, you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think, I think so. But I think also, um, you know, there, there's a big part of the sport that you really can't do unless you do live because you got to gain the confidence. You got to gain the confidence that you, that you have to get from going live. You have to gain that, by going live, you know, and sometimes um, it's hard to feel confident going in a cage unless I felt that hundred percent live. And that, and that, but but then it goes back to you know what we're doing at Onyx, and that's and that's the main reason why we're doing we're doing the Onyx with the equipment that we're making that Trevor Whitman has has geniusly made. You know, the equipment that he made is is going to be made for specifically for MMA guys. You know, and and you know, there the foams and everything that we use is going to be on a different level because you have to do MMA in order to do MMA. I think you can do some um, some technique sparring to an extent, but then sometimes if you do too much technique sparring, then you have too many tech, uh, technique sparring lazy habits when it comes to live competition, and that's when you see guys throwing at that, that little inside leg kick and they're not throwing it at speed. They're just doing it because they're used to doing it and text barring is kind of something that helps them flow. But in a real live fight, that'll get you knocked out. Yeah. And if you're not going live enough, then you're not going to have that, that 
oh, don't do that. That's not a good time to do that, you know? So I think there is a, is a good place for less impact when it comes to training, but at the same time, I think MMA is still one of those sports where you're going to have to actually do it to to do it. Yeah, it's crazy. I, a few of the guys that I still represent, even guys like Little John, right? So, I mean, these everybody grew up with two, three days of sparring, right? And some of that stuff is mm-hmm. still happening. It's like, all right, I get what you're saying. You, you have to do the technical development. That's very important. And you do need to see full speed. But how often do you need to see full speed? And that's what I'm, I'm trying to get related to some of these guys. We got to cut right. the full speed down. We can't be taking so much miles on the car at a young age, you know? Yeah. I, I think I think when when it comes time, like I think what what what, what I do a lot of it is I do full speed, but we're not putting the power. We're not putting the power. It, it's kind of like I'm just trying to go as fast as I can through a technique with my speed and my timing, but I'm not putting that power on. Like I'm not like like when I'm throwing my punch, I'm not having my hands all 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 the way closed inside of my 16 ounce gloves. My hand is open, so when I hit you. It's a smack. You know what I'm saying? It's a smack, and you're going to feel like a smack on my opponent when he's doing the same thing to me. His hand is open inside of his 16-ounce glove, and when he hits me, it's a smack. We're still getting speed. We're still we're still uh, hitting with intent, but at the same time, there's no power because our hands are not closed. And when You know what I'm saying? And you know when it's time to go live, when it's time to close your hands, and when you can drop down the punch, especially when you – when you get the timing on a good punch, because there's times where I hit him with my hand open, I'm like, okay, if that was real, I could have, you know, I could have locked my hands down and, and pretty did some work, uh, did some work with that punch. But I leave my hands open so that way I'm just touching him. We we're we're going fast, we're going at a good sparring pace, but I'm not I'm not making him drool after practice because I'm cracking him in his head. So you know, what I you're saying it's not the Goyo yeah, and uh, <laughs> the Goyo and Leonard Garcia sessions we used to all watch in the gym and laugh. Yeah, because you. Because me, me and my training partner, we can spar for like an hour doing that, just moving and doing that kind of sparring where we're not cracking each other 100% in the face, but we're still moving fast and we're still moving at a good pace and trying different technique. You know, because that, that's also how you get become creative. Like you become creative when you're able to um, try to do different technique without without worried about getting, you know, getting getting knocked out from your training partner, you know? John Jones is, is one of the guys who got really good at just, you know, having such a good imagination when it comes to uh, technique. And a lot of times because he just he's just drilling and he's having fun just doing it and doing it after practice and just getting the repetition over and over again. But it's just it's just drilling, you know. Yeah. The following program contains material not suitable for children. There is absolutely nothing inappropriate about my program. Due to the graphic nature of today's show, parental guidance is strongly suggested. This is not a kid's environment. Clean up your act. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Michael Bowen and the Bowen team of Waterstone Mortgage. If you're thinking about buying a house or possibly refining a house, you have to go with the absolute best. And I got to tell you, there's nobody in Albuquerque better than Michael Bowen. You got to give him a call today at 505-259-8326. Michael Bowen is one of the people, one of the, the main lenders that I refer my, my clients to when they're thinking about buying a house or refining a house because he's been doing it for so long. He has such a deep knowledge of the mortgage industry that is just unsurpassed. All right. He's just, he's like Yoda when it comes to mortgages. Give Michael Bowen a call today if you're thinking about buying a house or refining. His phone number is 505 259 8326. 505 
259-8326. No matter what you're thinking about doing, buying your first home, you're going to be moving up, you're downsizing, you're buying a luxury property, whatever. They have programs for every type of individual. So give them a call today. Michael Bowen, 505-259-8326 of Waterstone Mortgage, NMLS number 214602. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pure Life. Pure Life is a medical cannabis company right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they are actually the largest medical cannabis company in the state of New Mexico. If you're a medical card holder, you want to definitely check out Pure Life if you haven't been there yet. These guys have everything under the sun you could possibly imagine. They have pre-rolls, they have flour, they have vaporizers, concentrates, edibles, tinctures. They even have accessories if you need a Pure Life coffee mug. But here's the deal with Pure Life. These guys probably carry the largest amount of strains than any other dispensaries in the state of New Mexico. They have tons of stuff, tons and tons of stuff. And the best part about Pure Life, I've got to tell you, after going over and actually recording an episode of the podcast there, watching their bud tenders interact with their patients, it's super cool to watch. These guys actually give a shit about you. They stop. They take the time to get to know you, what you're looking for, what you need help with. You got to check them out. They have six locations around the state. They have three here in Albuquerque, and then they have three more around the state with two more coming this summer. PureLifeNM.com is the website. Check them out. If you go in, make sure to tell them Buck and Dex sent you in. You got to tell them Buck and Dex sent you in so you can get the Buck and Dex podcast deal. The podcast is also brought to you by Sandia BMW Motorcycles. If you haven't checked these guys out, you got to go down and check out their inventory they have down there. They have 2019 models that they're actually, I don't want to say they're blowing them out, but you can get some good deals on there. I was just on the website looking, and I think they have a thousand bucks off on certain models. So go down and check out Sandia BMW Motorcycles. Have you guys seen the new BMW S1000RR? It's 205 horsepower. Yeah, seriously, 205 horsepower. There are cars that are not 205 horsepower. I'm just going to say that now. So that has to be a stupid fast bike. Sandia BMW is located at 6001 Pan American Freeway. You can give them a call today if you want to schedule service or maybe you want to schedule a test ride. Give them a call today, 866-872-5632. Sandia BMW Motorcycles, make life a ride. Hello, this is Senator Bernie Sanders. I come to you today with a very important request. I need you to subscribe to the Buck and Dex podcast. These two have been a huge pain in my ass. They've been blowing up my Twitter and Instagram asking for an interview. The only way I could get them to stop was to record this message. So again, this is Senator Bernie Sanders asking you, to help me get these morons off my back and subscribe to their podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. So speaking about John Jones, his last fight with Dominic Reyes, questionable in a lot of people's eyes, decisions. What was your thought as a commentator now, as, as an ESPN analyst, what was your take on that fight? It was close. I had, I had it uh, even going into to that third round, but I thought that, John, John won that third round. I thought that, um, you know, the, the first part of that third, the, I mean, that third round, the fifth round, I think that John won that fifth round. I think the first part of that, that fifth round, Reyes was coming out looking like he had a little bit more energy, but then it was John who, who showed the control, who showed the, you know, the, the cage awareness and everything to, to close off the stretch. He, he, he had better, 
you know, he had better, um, you know, fight acumen towards the end of the fight. And, and that's, and that's the, 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 the crazy thing that's John Jones, because even in the fight that you think that he's, you know, okay, this guy, this guy's got him. He finds a way to still win in the areas where, you know, you don't think that the fight is being judged at, you know, and I think that's one thing that kind of surprised Dominic Reyes is the fact that, you know, he, he, he was landing some good shots on John and he was making, you know, being hard to hit. But at the same time, that pressure that John was having and, and, and the fact that when he did get in close quarters, you know, he was effective, that scored big in the judge's mind. And then, you know, the takedown and stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, here, here's, here's the reality though. That gap is, that gap is closing, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And everybody sees it, you know, that gap is closing and this is, you know, this is, um, this is the third time that John has kind of, you know, went through, uh, or is trying to go through a division. So, but the, but these guys that he's going through this time, they're, they're different than the last series of guys that he went through because a lot of these guys, they have the same physical attributes as John John has. You know, I mean, John is still a freak when it comes to the reach, but when it comes to just the size, these guys are just as tall as he is. You know, and and, and when somebody can look you in the eye, eye to eye, then it's a different kind of fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and 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 it's a different kind of fight just from 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 the the invitation of it because you know now you're looking at a guy who who believes that they can beat you and and these guys who have you know John's competing against now you know he's been he's been they've been growing up or or just been growing up in the game watching him as the guy to fight because he's been fighting for such a such a long time in the game already you know. Yeah, that was kind of kind of my next question is you look at his last two fights. You look at uh, uh, the Reyes fight and the fight before that, and I don't want to say he's slowing down a little bit, but, I mean, he is, what is he, 30 years old now? 32? Yeah, 32. I mean, 32, 32. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, physically, your body is going to start changing do you think at this point it's time for him just to move up? Should he just go up to heavyweight? I mean, because he's done, he doesn't need to do anything more at two oh five, right? I, I think I think he can go up, but I think if he does go up right now, especially after that fight, then I think people would not give him. And it's crazy to believe, right? Because John John is arguably the best guy to ever put on gloves, but he has so many different things, you know, that people can put an asterisk next to his name that it almost discounts all the greatness that he's done. So now he's in a position where he has to stay at 205 at least to beat Dominic Reyes. So then that way, if he does go up, then people are like, yeah, but you know what? He was getting, I mean, at 205, it was closing the window. And and then here's the reality. You, you'll never be able to stop everybody from saying everything, and I understand that. But at the same time, I I, I still feel as if, like, like John Jones is missing that 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 thing that people can say that yes, without a doubt, this is the greatest fighter of all time. Yeah, I think you're right. Dominic Cruz one more time, and then after Dominic that, Reyes. Or Dom, yeah, Dom, yeah, Dominic Cruz would be great. That'd be fun. <laughs> okay, great fight. Now Dominic Reyes one more time would be would solidify it because really, if you look at you know the last fight with Jan and Corey, we thought okay, maybe if if Corey does what he did last time, there's Corey. But after that, and after Johnny Walker. You got one more shot with Reyes, and then after that, moving up to heavyweight seems like it would be okay. Yeah, I think I think so. I think I think so. Be just because 
I mean, he's 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 clear. If when he gets past Dominic, then it's like, well, I mean, there really there really would be nobody else because you know Corey Anderson would have been the next one. But now with him losing, now it just shows that the 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 weight class may need a little bit longer to mature, you know. And then mm-hmm. if John goes up, then he may be able to jump back down, and then the 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 weight class would be piping hot with a bunch of hot contenders that's been just biting at the chance to get at the great John Jones. You know, then I can set up that kind of situation, that scenario. But right now I I just see that um John is just John John is um John is still at the head of head of the table, but there's a lot of people that's that's definitely uh chomping at the bit to 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 take that title, man. Yeah. Who do you think is the biggest dark horse? Like, I've got my opinion. I'll just tell you right now. I think the biggest dark horse that I see right now in the UFC would be Leon Edwards. I like him as my dark horse yeah. for uh, for the fight against... Uh, um, who's he fighting next? Um, not sure. Oh, geez. It's totally slipping my... He's fighting T. Woods. He's fighting T. Wood, yeah. Yeah, so... I like I like Leon Edwards as my dark horse right now. You know, when I think about all the divisions, it, it's changed so much since you were fighting because now, I mean, before I knew about 90% of the fighters and now I probably know about 20% of the fighters. But from what I know, I like Leon Edwards as my dark horse. Who do you who do you like as a dark horse right now in the UFC? Man, that, that's that's a pretty good uh, dark horse. And, and I'll tell you why, just because, you know, he he's somebody who, has such an effective style that's that's a proven style in that weight class, that grinding wrestling style, and at the same time, you know, he has a nice frame to go on top of that, you know. So it, it's um, and he and he doesn't and he doesn't get the respect. He doesn't get the respect. And I think a little bit has to do with the fact that he he ate that three piece in a soda from Mazda. <laughs> from you know Mazda, yeah. Yeah, he, he ate that. But um, outside of him, man, I, I gotta think, man, it, it's um. It's pretty tough because uh, let me think at the eighty five. Who do you got? Eighty five. Jeez, I don't. Uh, know. I mean, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's I think that's the darkest horse. <laughs> yeah, In the I, UFC. I, I would definitely go with that one. Yeah. What do you think? Edwards, man, and go on. No, what do you think about Izzy and all of his uh, his talk about like wanting to fight John? If that happened to materialize, do you think that he could do it? I mean. Because when I when I you know his last fight when he fought Whitaker when I watched him fight Whitaker, that was a performance that I hadn't seen out of him before. You know his fight previous to that he looked okay. I think he fought Yoel Romero before that or something like that. But you know he didn't look like he looked against Leon Edwards or not Leon Edwards against um, um, uh, Robert Whitaker. Do you think that if those two ended up if you know, if we're playing fantasy MMA right now, and you have you have Izzy going in, looking the way he did against Robert Whitaker, does he can he stand and and possibly win against John? Um, stand, yeah, I think he can stand with John all day. I think I think his stand up is, is you know it it gives John a lot of problems um, for for a lot of different reasons. But when it comes to the complete um, game of what John brings. I think John is still have had him just because of the, the knowledge of what John knows in, in, in the grappling exchanges, you know. I'm not saying that, that Izzy uh, isn't knowledgeable on the ground or, or hasn't learned a lot, but just um, just what John knows on the ground, I think that 
and John could win the fight alone, you know. But with this fight, you know, as as time goes on, it's the same thing that DC said to to uh, I mean that John said to DC. You know, I, I'm, I'm younger and you're on, and you're only getting older, so time is on my fi- my side. And I think it's the same thing with, with Izzy and John Jones. You know, I think that the sooner this fight happens, you know, uh, hypothetically, then it'll be better for John. But you know, later it goes, and it goes to to Israel, who's only getting bigger, faster, stronger, and getting a better understanding of of the fight game, you know, and then it goes to, you know, you know, who takes care of their body better, you know what I'm saying? And all those different things. So, you know, it, as time goes on, it favors Izzy, but as it stands right now, I think John Jones would beat him today. Yeah. I think John beats a lot of guys with his ground game, but just doesn't, doesn't utilize it, you know? So I think what, once he gets a lot of guys down, I mean, but it, it's crazy. He, he just starts standing and wants to finish dudes there and, you know, he's he's still doing it. But, I mean, at any point in time that he wants to really just put the heat on the wrestling and the ground stuff, man, that, that's he's a hard guy to beat. He is, man. He he sure is, man. And that's, and that's, and that's the thing about it. Like, he's, he's gotten so many – he's got so many ways to win. And sometimes when you see in these fights where, you know, he's so much better than these guys, like, as far as – like, for instance, sometimes I, I watch John fight. I'm like, man, why don't you just take him down? Because I know he can he he can have that a sizable advantage on the ground, but for whatever reason, sometimes he just he do, he does it, he doesn't do it, you know. But um, you know it, it's 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 uh, you know I mean he, he he's the one who's been able to do it for so long, so become you know do, do the do the records that he has, so maybe he has a better understanding of why he doesn't use utilize it more. But I think. You know, as he gets older and as he goes against guys who are going to close the gap with the stand-up, I think it will behoove him to start to utilize in that great ground game. Do you think a lot of fighters kind of get caught up in the in the the hype of what people think they are versus what they can do? And what I mean, <clears throat> what I mean by that is like when you look at a uh, when you look, I'll, I'll just give you two fighters in particular that I know. You look at KJ. And you look at Carlos Condit, right? <clears throat> Carlos Condit, he can take a punch like nobody else I've ever seen, right? The man has a, a chin of, of granite. And and he gets into these battles. You look at some of the fights that he's had, like with uh, Robbie Lawler and, and uh, Rory McDonald, and just the amount of damage that everybody took. However, he has this ridiculous jujitsu game. Like he's got a, an amazing right. jujitsu game and you rarely see him go to that, you know, because he's always standing and throwing. It was kind of the same with KJ, you know, he kind of, he kind of became, yeah. he kind of became known as the person that can, you know, break off one same. of the legs with one of his leg kicks, you know, but he also same had a good ground Dal- game. Same thing with Donald, yeah, same thing with Donald Cerrone too. Like Donald Cerrone is, it is so good on the ground. Like you, you remember how long he would, just train and drill on the ground. They'd be doing it. It seemed like they'd be have the practice like five hours straight where they're just rolling around on the ground with him and his crew. And you're like, man, this guy is so good on the ground. But when it comes to the fight, only time you see, like you see, you don't see it as much as you would think that you see it. If you watch them train, you know? Yeah. I think you only saw it with Mike Perry because Mike Perry decided to, you know, go that direction with it. So, I mean, it's quick when it happens with him. He's so tough on the ground. You're right. But it's just something he doesn't revert. He doesn't go to it too often. 
I mean, then you got, you know, Diego Sanchez is another one. Mm -hmm. Great, great ground game, great ground game. But now you can't get him to go to the ground. Now he, he doesn't want to touch the ground. You know, he's, He's, he's on something he's else. Channeling, he's channeling the movement, man. Channeling the air. He's channeling the stickiness. No, no. Listen. Okay. 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 <laughs> he's so, my dude. So, but go let's ahead. Get into we it. Got, Come on. We got, no, we, we gotta get. We gotta talk. Listen. 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 I, I try. I try to be fair and give people the benefit of the doubt, man. But man, that I don't know, man. That that whole situation it's got me kind of worried about Diego. I'm gonna be honest, man. Just because I just I. I what I see is I see that this guy has convinced Diego that whatever he's accomplished in the past was by some pure dumb luck. And this guy has convinced Diego that he knows more than Diego and he's never had a fight in his whole entire life. And I and and, and listen, I, I don't I I, I don't want to say that that having a fight is the complete litmus test of being a great coach because Greg Jackson never had a fight, but at the same time, Greg was never like how this guy is coming across, and and it's just I don't know, it's just red flags all over. Yeah, I, I think we've been doing this long enough to know when there's serious red flags. You know, I mean, when there's guys that come out of the woodwork, uh, guys that, and sometimes they're they're charming, right? You, you remember the guy? That, what's the guy's name? He used to manage you guys, Tim. What that that dude that came out? Uh, he was an agent for a little while with you guys. They used to come around, Tim. Yeah, yeah, Tim Fields, right? So it's like yeah. they, they're like very charming. They're very convincing. They they throw money around, but this dude is not at that level with the money, right? And I think that's what's scary because you know Diego's going to listen to this and get pissed off. I'm still I still see him every week at, at the barbershop, and you know I support the dude. I love the dude, but you're right. I mean. All of his friends and family, everybody's talking, concerned. My phone's ringing. Uh, Diego's not like pushing this. This guy is running his social media now. It's obvious. It's acting like it's coming from Diego. Um, he's his manager. He's his friend. We've been through this with Diego once before when he went to San Diego with the Brazilians um, and people that had taken advantage of him, right? So well, I'm not saying that's what Josh is doing. I don't know this guy. But the, you know what? I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen. I'm gonna tell you why. That's exactly what he's doing. Because Diego can't even say like. Anytime you watch that interview, and he's giving Diego permission to speak, like Diego can't even speak out of turn without this guy like saying, "Okay, hold on, Diego, say this," and Diego say this part. Wait a minute. That's Diego freaking Sanchez. Why are you telling him when to talk? Like. Like I'm, 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 I'm scratching my head at that whole relationship, and it just doesn't make sense to me. And listen, a, like it, that's their relationship, and it doesn't have to make sense to me. But in all the understanding of relationships, that one just it just perplexes to me. Like, what's really going on here? Yeah, and, and I'm getting phone calls from people that are like, "Hey, man, you know, he listens to you, he respects you. Call him." And, you know, he's not in a position to receive it. And it's not my place to tell him, hey, this this isn't looking good. I mean, he's a grown man, right? And if this is what he wants to do, but we've been through this before with him. We've been through these kinds of, we've been through these people in MMA that take advantage of fighters, that reroute bank accounts, that control media, that 
uh, try and, and build their own brand off of the backs of the, of the fighters and what they've done over the years. And so it's pretty black and white to me and you. Uh, but I think as these interviews come out, the the videos with all the blocks and it's like Diego's not. That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever. He's seen. He's not producing this stuff. We know. Oh my he, we god! Know the, he's blocks, not. the blocks one. The blocks yes, one. Oh yes. my gosh! That was the dumbest. <laughs> that was the dumbest thing. That would be like honestly. That would be like me saying, you know what? I'm qualified to go out and corner you, Rashad, in your next fight because. I trained for a few years and I have one amateur fight, so you should listen to me because I can help you. That's ridiculous. It's, it, it's, it, it is ridiculous. And, and the part that is ridiculous to me is the fact that, like, Diego keeps on, like, he keeps on saying, like, um, yeah, you know, it was an unfair fight because, you know, he was, you know, the Pereira fight when, when Diego got disqualified or the, the Pereira got disqualified. And, and he was like, yeah, it's unfair fight because, you know, he's he's bigger than Diego. And, and you know, how would you feel? And, 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 and here's the reality. It's like this. These guys, and, and, here, and, here, and here's the, the mismanagement of the manager, which is Josh Fabia. Listen, listen. So Diego, they, they, the UFC, they love Diego. And they don't want it. They don't want to see him in a bad situation. So they do whatever they can to make sure Diego's okay. So they give him a fight that they, you know, that that's a pretty good fight for him that, that he could win. That's a winnable fight, but they have Diego fight that 38 years old, which again is, is, is a great thing. You know, they are helping him out, but then Diego has the fight. And then now he goes and then he talks trash about the UFC saying they unmatched him fairly and all this other stuff. And it's like, dude, these are the people who are helping you out. And then now they're talking. Now him and his uh, manager are talking uh, very litigiously, and it's like you don't want to start speaking litigiously to the UFC, especially when you know they're doing you a favor by having you fight in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what are you doing? Because there's nothing that you can win in that situation. The UFC money's so long; they tie you up in court, and 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 you can't even get a court. You couldn't even get a uh, a lawyer to work with you for free to, to, to make you get money for, you know, all the litigation that the UFC can tie you up in if you want to talk litigiously. And these guys are doing it. And it's like, I don't know, this guy's going to ruin Diego and he's going to ruin his legacy because after this, people are going to look at him like, all right, he's, he's, he's done. Yeah. And it's wild because if you look at that fight, but it is not, I mean, not to be a, not to be a dick, but, but it is not high level, right? Um, when it comes to that division, He's he's very explosive and flipping and flopping and he's fun to watch, right? But you know the the, the UFC is definitely uh, being being favorable with matchups at this point, and it's time to get that long money, right? This is your retirement money. Well, this the, is yeah. Well, the re- the reason why Diego got that matchup is because if you watch the fight, I forget who the fight Pereira was fighting, but he wrestled a guy with the same style as Diego, and and, and actually less less of uh, dominance when it comes to the areas. Of of grappling that Diego is, and so Diego hasn't like is better than the guy that he lost to by doing the game plan that Diego should have done the grappling game plan, right? And altitude, like that, right? That, at altitude, yeah, at, at altitude, it was it was a it was a showcase for Diego Sanchez. Yeah. That's what it was. It was a showcase for Diego Sanchez, and and then he gets on, and then they start talking about oh he's outmatched by the size, he's outmatched by the size. It's like bro, listen. This is the UFC. 
I step on a scale and I weigh this much, the guy steps on the scale, he weighs the same amount. It doesn't matter how much taller than me he is. It doesn't matter what his body composition is. If I'm going to sign on the line, I'm signing on the line to fight for that price, for that, you know what I'm saying, for, I mean, for, for that weight. That's the size of, like, you signed the contract. What are you talking about? Like it is it's it's crazy, man. I watched interview I watched the interview that they did with I forget with Schmo and I'm just shaking my head the whole time. I'm like, man, they're gonna mess around that they they're gonna mess around and have somebody have to intervene and get and, and make him lose the ability to fight because he's talking like he's talking like he shouldn't be fighting. Well, <clears throat> you know, it just goes to show like what has changed in the sport over the past ten years, you know, since you started versus now. You know, the guys that are fighting at 170 pounds aren't, you know, when you have somebody like Diego, who's who's naturally probably a 55 fighter, like that's when I think he was at his right. peak. You know, when you have these guys that are fighting at 170, they're always, they're going to be bigger, stronger, and faster now. You know, that's just what the sport yeah. is doing. That's what it's evolved to, where you would see those guys as like, he could easily be a 185 pound fighter. You know, and that's just what you get in that division now. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 yeah. it's bizarre, man. Just to see, you know, seeing it, knowing what's going on. He believes it, though, man. He one hundred percent believes that this guy is is really the second coming to Christ. You know, and he's very spiritually connected with them. And this dude, we know, we know who these guys are, right? We've seen them before. We've been doing this long enough, and it's and I want to help, but. At the same time, you know, and you remember back in the day, there would be guys that would come in the gym, right? And Greg would say, I would say, hey, man, this kid is having seizures uh, outside the gym and on the mats. We can't let him train here anymore, right? And Greg was like, mm -hmm. he's like, Ricky, if the guy wants to fucking die in there and that's how he wants to go out on his sword, let him fucking die. And I was like, wow, you know, if that's if that's what makes him happy, right? And this is where we're at now. If this is what genuinely makes Diego happy, I don't. I can't intervene, right? He's not going to listen to it. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure if we're there where he's going to die in there. But I mean, here, here's the thing about no, it. no, not that was just he, an he, analogy what, of telling him what he what he could and yeah, I, know, I can't I know, stop I know, him, right? Teasing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. But here, I mean, here's here's the reality. Like what I've seen in the last fight, he's going to get seriously hurt if he ever tried to do that again with somebody else. He yeah. can get seriously hurt, and and he's lucky. He's lucky that he was going against a guy who, like, like Pereira. Pereira is so weird. When Diego was doing stuff that out weirded him, he didn't know what to do. He was he was caught <laughs> off guard. It, it made it made him fight normal. It made him fight normal. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how that's how weird Diego stuff was was to him. So when he, he didn't know what to think. But go on. no, go ahead, please. No, I mean like when so like. That weirdness threw threw him off, but like what what shocked me more than anything was just the like the the non game plan. There was like zero game plan that Diego had. He had zero answers for this guy, and I'm just like that was the dangerous part to me because I'm like, man, he has he has zero answers for this guy. He actually looks like he doesn't even know know what to do. It looked like. It looked like he he's actually forgotten how to fight. Like he 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 devolved. Like he devolved. <laughs> well, I mean, and I don't know what his training regiment's like, you know. But what you have to have when you're training for a fight, 
you have to have good training partners because that's what's going to make you better. And I don't know if he has that with that guy. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he's, he's got to. He's not he's the got, right He's got to get. Nah, he's got to. He's got to get something. He's got to get something else, man. And 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 I I think I don't know, man. I just I just I just I don't want to see Diego Bois like that, man. I really don't want to see that for him, man. I don't want to see somebody just take advantage of him and and just you know because I was watch I was watching the interview with um like I said with with Schmo and and his trainer. And I got kind of sad watching it just because I felt bad that this guy had convinced Diego, truly convinced Diego, that he knew more than him. Yeah. And and he was like, Diego's like, yeah, man. There's one time, you know, I was, you know, he was showing me something, and then you know, I almost had a tap, you know, like I almost broke my arm, and I'm like. I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there's probably something that somebody can grab me in that I don't know about and probably make me tap. But that don't mean they could beat me in a fight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you talking about, man? Gra- grab my left wrist. No, grab it the other way. No, grab it like this. Okay, now I got it. Yeah, it is. It, 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 it's nuts, man. And and here, but here's what I want to ask you guys that live, like you guys live in Albuquerque, like. Like where, like where does this guy, like where does he come from? Like has anybody heard? Like where does, like what's his story? I've never heard of the guy. This is the first that I've heard of him. You know, and I'm a benefit. I give people the benefit of the doubt, right? And, and I've been here for over forty years. Never heard of the guy, but giving after the fight, you know, I mean, you see all these videos come out. You see the block video. You see all these, you know, these stories come out. And I was like, okay. Maybe this guy, you got to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. You never know. You don't want to assume anything with anybody. Right, right. right. And when the story came out where he contacted the UFC and warned them that he could, Uh Diego could possibly kill this guy and they needed to be prepared for it was when I just had to like say, okay, I'm out. You know, because essentially what he was talking about was like, some reverse guillotine choke where you drop down to the ground. It almost sounds like a like a wrestling move, like a finishing move. From actually, they compared it to like a DDT or something. I don't remember. Did they really? DDP. They compared it in the article to that. Yeah, yeah. That's when I was out. I was like, okay, this is this is hogwash. See, and that's and that's and that's the uh, that's the part that makes me worry a little bit about Diego, just because of the fact that like. If you fight for a long time and it's been your life to fight and you do it day in and day out, you should be able to know what would actually work in combat and what won't work in combat. And the fact that Diego is, it doesn't know what works in, like, he, like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know what to think about this. And that's right. And I tried to get this guy to benefit of the doubt too. Like, I was, I was nice to him and stuff like that. And I, and I don't have a problem with him. But I don't like I don't like the whole like idea of claiming self awareness, but then being the biggest ego, having the biggest ego out of everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what is like what is self awareness? And then going around talking like how he does with his ego all inflamed on yeah. on Diego's dime, right? On you the, know, because everybody everybody's attributing everything he said not to the crazy stuff that he's saying, but to Diego. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. On the aerial show, when 
he was talking about, you know, the way you perceive something or being aware of something. And it's like, yeah, it, it doesn't, what you're saying doesn't line up with the way that you're acting. It's not, it's not one of the same. Right. So, uh, it was definitely, but after you saw him break the punching machine at the UFCPI, you weren't a believer is what you're saying. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, I don't like, that's another thing Like he, like he shit, he sent me that video and then I'm like, okay, what am I seeing here? He's like, well, obviously, you know, the machine's going haywire. And I'm like, listen, I, I never used that machine at the PI. So I don't know. So, so the context is lost to me. Only thing it looks like you're doing is just hitting it at a moderate pace that's giving you a reading. Like I, I like, like the translation gets lost to me, you know, like if you want to put that out there for people to really understand, I think you need to put it in context first. And then people are like, wow, that is pretty impressive. So am I wrong to think that or no? If it's at the Dave and Buster's head to head with you <laughs> versus Fabia, I'm a believer, right? Yeah. It's, that's where I'm it's, at. It's, head to head on the Dave and Buster's yeah. punchy machine. <laughs> Heavyweight, yeah, Fabia. That's what I'm talking about. Right now, and then, and then, it worked, and then, and then, and then, you know what he says to me? Like he, he says to me, he's like, "All right, how about?" He says, "Um, he, 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 he says, how about I take a punch from you, and you take a punch from me, and you tell me the difference?'" <laughs> and that's when I was like, "Hold up, f, hold up, <laughs> hold on, man, hold on, like, let, like, listen, buddy, like." You're like 120 pounds, man. Come on. You should have said yes. You should have got a camera crew, and you should have sent that video to Bob Mennery. That's what you should have done. <laughs> but I, I don't know, man, because if even – even and then, and then the worst part about it is the fact that now they've taken – so I, I get bothered when people take stuff that – so there's like – Bullying is terrible. It's terrible. Nobody should bully, and I'm totally against you know the whole bully cause. But here's what I don't like: I hate it when people take a situation and be like, "Oh, this is this is bullying." No, it's not bullying. You like 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 if you put yourself out there, like these guys are putting themselves out there, and then people critique what they put out there, and then they have an opinion about what they put out there. That's not bullying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's not bullying. Yeah, and, and and I hate and I hate it how in today's times everybody is like so sensitive. Oh, I'm so sensitive, but then everybody has something to say. Yeah, if you have nothing to say and you can't take being criticized, then sit down and shut your mouth. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Um, so right. let me ask you this, Rashad, before we uh, get you out of here, I'm sure you've got things to do. Um, kind of looking back at your career. If you could have one do-over, what would you do? I mean, I think everybody has. I don't want to say regrets, you know, but if you could look at just like the scope of what you had throughout your career, what do you think if you could, you know, just like take it back, rewind it and say, man, I wish I would have done that a little bit differently. What would you have done as far as, or would you have done anything? I would have, I would have kept um, fighting about fighting. You know, and by that I mean I feel as if like when you're in the game for a while and you and you you know you kind of get uh, you allow the things that happen, the political aspects in the fight. Why not get this fight? Why am I matching to this fight? And you start making these stories, and then you know sometimes you're right, sometimes you're not. But at the end of the day, 
it takes away from the sport that you love. Yeah. And when you, when you allow that to happen, you know, you don't get a receipt for the time that you were off because right or wrong, you didn't fight for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. Because when you can't fight no more, or when your time is up, then it's up yeah. and that's it, you know? So I just wish that I would allow myself to, uh, to not be so affected by just the, the, um, just, just, I, I guess by the, the, the ups and downs, it's not ups and downs of it, but I guess the politics of the game. I wouldn't have been bothered by the politics of the game and just would have allowed myself to just keep it fun and just, and just enjoy fighting. So are you saying people should just live in the moment and enjoy where they're at and not worry about all the horse shit that comes along with everything else? I think, I think, no, I think, I think they should enjoy the moment for where they at, but I think they should get a really good person to worry about all the shit that they don't want. <laughs> right. That they, they, they shouldn't have to worry about because I think when, you know, um, there is, you know, you do have to worry about, um, you know, things in your career because you can't get screwed if you're not careful and you say yes to everything and no, I'm not going to worry about the fight. You can, but at the same time, if you have somebody good that handles it, that you trust, then allow them to handle it and trust that they're handling it. And um, don't, don't allow yourself to be connected to whatever story they come back and they tell you, oh, the UFC, they're trying to screw you for whatever deal, you know, whatever the case, whatever that narrative may be, because there always is a narrative that comes along with that story. You know, if you don't allow yourself to be engulfed in that and you stay at a position where you keep the sport just about the sport, then I think you have, you have, you have a good, a good chance of just, you know, enjoying it for a lot longer. But when you allow yourself to just, you know, be affected by the ups and downs and that, and that narrative, then after a while you're just like, why do I even do this? It's not even worth it. I don't even like it anymore. You know, I'm not respected in the sport and you make the whole story about it. And then now before you know it, your, your competitiveness is not the same as it used to be. And it's not the same anymore. It's not, not because you can't do it. It's just because you just don't see the value in doing it anymore. You just don't enjoy the process of doing it anymore. It's just not fun to you to do it anymore. Yeah. It's so important too, to keep fighters in there. They should be involved in their careers. Right. And so that's the biggest thing that I think a lot of people, the separation is what's dangerous is when a fighter is told that type of stuff from certain individuals that they trust, right? Oh, the UFC's doing this, the UFC's right. doing that. And so <clears throat> the biggest thing that I do is try and keep guys in the loop. Let's jump on a call with Sean. Let's jump, let keep them on the email feeds. Let them in the loop with the sponsors. Let them have those relationships. If you're doing a good job, you have nothing to be afraid of by allowing them in their own careers, right? And the separation right. is what is dangerous when guys start to do that. That's when the red flags go off for me. And, and that's when careers can be ruined and reputations and allowing people to push you the wrong direction and believing, believing the wrong stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think there's a difference between letting your fighter know like what's going on as far as like, okay, you know, this is what Sean Shelby saying. And then there's another way of, of that happens that sometimes they, they feed, they feed an insecurity. Yeah. You know, they feed, they feed an insecurity and that insecurity, they feed, they feed an insecurity. And as they're feeding that insecurity, um, it only, it only makes, 
it only makes that paranoia in the fight the fighter's mind it exa- even worse. Like yeah, when, it exacerbates it for sure. Yeah, yeah. So then, so then that, so then, if I have a, if like if I have a fighter and I know he's already thinking like, man, the UFC doesn't want me, and and I'm not, and, and I'm not what they want. Then the last thing I want to tell him is the fact that the UFC doesn't want him, and and, and, and kind of, you know, reinforce that thinking because when I do that, I, I'm just I'm making him harder to work with, and I'm making him, you know, either, I'm either putting one heck of a shoulder on his chip for him to compete. Or I'm either knocking him down and make him feel like, man, I'm, I'm not good enough to even be on this level. And the UFC even sees it. So it all depends on what the mindset of that person is. So I would say that, you know, give give them knowledge, but at the same time, you know, um, you know, allow them to just be like, hey, let me worry about this. I got you in this. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to say what I'm going to say to Dan. I don't want you to talk any in the media about none of what I'm saying to you. I don't want you to, you know, uh, make it seem, you know, talk anything about what's going on behind the scenes because sometimes you see fighters talking about, you know, what's going on with the negotiation and everything like that. And, you know, that's your manager to do that. Yeah. All right, Rashad, I have three predictions I would like to get from you. I want you to prognosticate and tell me what you think. Prediction number one, my beloved Kansas City Chiefs repeat and become Super Bowl champions next year. Is that going to happen? Oh, I don't think so. I don't. Come on, man. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that. I think that. Uh, I think that. You know, um, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to repeat, right? To go and repeat another another championship, and we've seen teams like Kansas City Chiefs that has a good year. They don't come the next year and do the same thing because it's just so hard unless you have that winning. Tom Brady formula sometimes, you know, <laughs> and I just have to say it, you know, I, I, I don't think you're going to be able to do it, buddy. I think we can agree to disagree on that, Rashad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think is going to happen with Tony Ferguson and, and Khabib? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think it's going to be a tough fight, but uh, I think, I think Khabib is going to be able to, to get the W. And I think it's primarily because of, you know, his damage that, that he does when he's on top. I think, um, you know, uh, Tony Ferguson, it's extremely hard to do that kind of damage to because he moves so hard. He moves a lot on the ground and he got such a great working guard off his back. But there's a different level with, with Habib. And a lot of people don't realize that, but people are going to realize that, that there's a different level. And I think Tony's going to see that there's a different level when it comes to that top control and, and just that um, understanding of knowing that space that uh, Habib has in that ground upon. He's a mauler. He's like a bear. He gets you down and just ugh, feel bad for those guys. All right. Last question. Who's going to be the next president of the United States? We're in an election year. It's crazy uh, out there right now. Donald Trump. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. I don't think anybody's going to be able to. I think he wants Bernie Sanders to win the nomination so he can just talk about his ties to, you know, Bernie's thoughts about socialism and communism. And and here's and here, and here, and here's and here's the truth of the matter. To be honest, honestly speaking, I think I think with all of these socialist agendas, and, and a lot of people don't really know about the biggest one, uh, which is Agenda Twenty One, Agenda Twenty Thirty, which. Um, is if you look that up and, and check that out, that's pretty much going to 
uh, rewrite a lot of the things that we come to know as as freedoms in our country, and that's going to be all done under um, sustainability. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of rules and regulations that are going to be coming out that's in conjunction with what's sustainable. So a lot of things that we value, freedoms that we value, we're not going to have them anymore because they're not sustainable. And when you look at the sustainable development package, you look that it just completely rewrites our American way of living. And then when you look at the politicians who who back that, then you kind of be like, oh, I don't want any part of that, that socialism pie. So, Yeah, I think a lot of people are... You know, I, I, I've, I've spoken to people, I, I've sat in and I did a show on a talk radio station here on a political talk station. We were talking to uh, people about what's going on. And, and I think one of the scary things about this whole Bernie Sanders phenomenon that's happening right now is that people look at him and I've actually heard people say, he kind of reminds me of my grandpa, so I want to vote for him. And that's an awful, terrible reason to vote for somebody. It's terrible. You know, I mean, great that he's, he reminds you of your grandparents, but your grandpa, go out and research what he really believes in. And people have to do that with all these candidates. Well, see, yeah, and, I, and, that, and that's one reason why, um, like for me, like I, I was, I, I, I mean, especially being a black person, you know what I'm saying? Like, like a Donald Trump support is not something that you, you would be even thinking that you hear. But when you start to look at it and start to just, look at the facts outside of what the media is saying and everything like that, you start to see that a different kind of picture emerges, you know, and that's what, that's, that's what I see because I mean, I, I can't, I can't get with where the democratic party is at. You know, I've been a democratic voter my whole entire life, but just seeing where the democratic party has gone to and just, looking at the values in which they are aligned with, I started to realize that those values are not aligned with mine. And I don't even know why I was even supporting that party, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to vote, but I think Trump is going to win. Okay. Good enough. Sounds good to me. Rashad, we've missed you, bro. Seriously. Man, I miss you guys. That was a good session. That was a good session. I think that I thought I, I felt like it was a counseling session. Like we got something off. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, now that we're uh, now that we're reconnected, uh, obviously I want to help you with your podcast. So we'll uh, we'll definitely put a link to your podcast up there, and you know you could retweet this when it goes out. I'll shoot you a text when it goes out. But uh, more importantly, let's not be strangers, and let's try to check in in the next couple of months and just uh, stay in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I like that. All right. Guys, take care. Take care, brother. Thanks, man. Good right, talking. Talk to you. Bye. Bye. Dude, that was amazing. <clears throat> yeah, it was good. It went we went down a few paths. I didn't think we were gonna go down, but man, epic. I didn't either. I didn't either. And I think now our chances of having Diego Sanchez on here are slim to none. <laughs> here here's the deal. I, I mean, love Di I, let me just say something real quick. I love Diego. He's been a homie of mine for years and years and years, except for that one time at the Palms when he tried to fight me. But <laughs> I mean, he don't he don't remember that. I know probably. I know he doesn't yeah. remember that. Here, here's the deal, man. Diego's one of my good buddies. Yeah, he's been there for a long time. My advice to Diego is don't don't get rid of the people in your life that have been there for you. Right? I I know you believe in Josh Fabia. I know you think Josh Fabia is the ticket. Right? And and so, but 
we go through phases with a lot of fighters where you think this person is the ticket, right? And so don't, you know, forsake the people around you that have been there with you. Uh, be consistent in those relationships. And what doesn't come out in the wash will come out in the rinse, man. I mean, it always will. Uh, got much love for him. I'll always be there for him. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the path that he's taking right now. But again, he's a grown man. Who am I to say that this isn't the path he should take? Uh, whether I disagree with it or not, man, much love. And uh, what a good interview, man. Yeah, yeah, he was great to hang out with. Share this podcast. This was a great episode, just hanging out with Rashad again. It's the first time we've talked to him in a long time. So um, thank you very much, Rashad, for uh, taking the time to to hang out with us. Yeah, it was good, man. It was you, exciting. And You got anything? What's what's new? We didn't really even talk before we started this. We kind of just dove in because I wanted to try to be respectful of his time. No, that's great, man. I mean, we, we used the whole time up on that. That was, I mean, I think this, this interview covered a lot of things. I think people are thinking or talking or some history of that you didn't know from how uh, the whole crew got started early on, right? Yeah. So it's good informational stuff, man. We, we don't got to talk, man. He, he had a great, he yeah. was going, man. He was flowing. No reason <clears throat> to stop it. You guys uh, share this with your friends. Tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, everywhere. I'm at Edgy Buck. Dex is, uh, what is Dex? Dex Toth. Dex Toth. Dex A. Toth, yeah. something like that. I don't know. You can find him. Just put in Dex. Yeah, and then Buck and Dex, right? You got yeah. the Instagram up now? Yeah, we've uh, we've had that up, dude. We're we're smoking. Yeah, but you haven't put the Buck and Rex logo up. Oh, yet. no, I haven't put the Buck and Rex logo. I'll put that up so we can, uh, we'll send that to Dex. So Yeah. Uh, Dex uh, underscore Toth. <clears throat> Dex underscore Toth. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Coming up for us next week, we are going to be talking to Betsy Brandt. She's got a new TV show, a pilot that she's shooting with Jim Jeffries. Are you familiar with Jim Jeffries? I'm not. He is an Australian comedian. He's pretty damn funny. Nice. Yeah, he had a show on FX once called Legit. Funny guy. And I'm trying to book an interview with, um, I don't know if I'm going to make this happen, but I'm sure trying. I don't know who to reach out to. Uh, Dave Bird, a.k.a. Little Dicky, has a new show coming on FX, and I'm trying to book him for the podcast. Nice. I, do you listen to Little Dicky? I don't. Do you like him? Do you know who he is? No. Oh, Actually, you know what? You explained him to me. It's a show on FX, correct? Well, yeah, he, but he's a rapper. No, I don't know who it is. Then. Yeah, I'll play you some Little Dicky after we're done. So if you guys have somebody you want us to try to get on the podcast, email us, the Buck Index Army, the Buck Index Army at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see what we can do about that. If you know anybody who wants to sponsor the podcast, same email. And uh, yeah, that's it. Nice. It's a good show. Thanks for uh, filling in for... for uh, Rex. Rex. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. All right. We'll see you guys later. That's all we got. There ain't no more. Time is tight. It's the end of the show. Have you been thinking of a career in the fire service? Don't know where to start? You can check out Vulcan Fitness. I've been a part of Vulcan Fitness now, um, going into my second uh, Vulcan program. First, uh, first one was eight weeks. Uh, just launched into my second one, and I'm looking to become a firefighter. And that's exactly what Vulcan Fitness is all about. It prepares you to be a firefighter, an EMT. Uh, the fire service, it requires high levels for physical fitness, mental fortitude on a daily basis, and Vulcan Fitness has developed a program to prepare you mentally, nutritionally, and physically for what it takes to be successful. Uh, their 10-week program covers an academic portion, which contains exam prep, studying tactics, interview practice, and portfolio enrichment, and a fitness and nutrition portion, which helps with physical, 
deficiencies, and nutrition education geared to help you to reach your goal. So you can check out the, <clears throat> you can check them out right now on Instagram at hashtag I am Vulcan Fit. That's on Instagram at hashtag I am Vulcan Fit and their website at VulcanAthlete.com. That's VulcanAthlete.com.